The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 15, Marty Gold with Spirited Kenny. And this week, uh, a bit of a diversion, unexpected, because there's certainly lots of news to talk about, but unfortunately, I won't be able to delve as much as I wanted to into the uh, prospect of Wab Canoe becoming the the uh, virtually extinct right-wing New Democrat. Uh, although I did note, a, a note that he... Uh, in a, a like a community newspaper column or something, strongly supports law-abiding gun owners in Manitoba. I mean, he should. He should, but that would be the first baby step. Uh, uh, I guess the, the Prairie NDP have a bit of a different idea than those that are uh, trapped in the uh, in the Laurentian circle. Uh, n- nonetheless, uh, uh, if you want to get caught up on past episodes, I'll get that uh, this part out of the way. Uh, our production team's been working overtime putting together YouTube videos, very. Uh, Amusing, comical, and uh, to some extent introspective, I suppose, reviews of what's going on in this city. We're taking the full episode, sometimes ranging from 45 minutes to an hour and a half, and they've been getting cut up into more digestible segments. For instance, last week, where the free press scrapped a headline smearing Manitoba Premier Heather Stephenson, uh, there was uh, uh, obviously other material. That was the, the, the title of the episode, but that uh, part of the show specifically is online with a picture of Dr. Tom Broadbeck and his prescription. For the Manitoba NDP, the aforementioned waffle, uh, Wob should waffle to the right. <laughs> As well, CDI College <laughs> Under Siege. You love that one, eh? Yeah. Wob should waffle to the right. CDI College Under Siege, which was the commentary from our Crime Courts of Public Safety uh, segment last week uh, from episode 14, got a, a tremendous reaction. And so that also is uh, cut separately with a lovely picture of do-nothing uh, Mayor Brian Bowman because all the crime, all the mayhem, all the violence you're hearing about it rests squarely on his head in his lap and his responsibility. Uh, and every week we see more and more evidence of that as well. Other previous episodes now on YouTube, they're adorned with tremendous imagery. Uh, and and some of it is, uh, you know, graphics of what's being discussed on the episode, maps, uh, actual pictures of street corners, personalities involved in the stories, articles, uh, and, uh, and opinion pieces that Kenny, Spirit of Kenny and I bring forward. And so you can go to the YouTube channel, which is TGCTS, uh, and you'll uh, you'll see this fine assortment of uh, podcast episodes from the recent past. We continue to uh, gear up the uh, content side of this uh, of this enterprise as we move towards the Manitoba 2023 provincial election. Now, Kenny, we didn't have much of a chance uh, really to talk at all. For some reason, we didn't talk at all during the week, and so I didn't explain to you ahead of time why we're going to be deviating and doing a, a special focus uh, in the first part of the show today. Uh, uh, but I hope you approve. No, I trust you, Marty. You seem to have the instincts for these things, so we'll let it inst- go. <laughs> and here we go. My instincts told me that when I received a postcard in the mailbox of the good old uh, office, that on one side was French, but the side I could read in English said, moving on Marion Street, phase three of public engagement is in motion. We want to hear from you. Well, I set it aside put it right near my doorway. And sure enough, uh, on Thursday, March 16th, I went down to the Norwood Community Center to uh, take a gander at what the city had in mind for what they say will be improving the the, uh, traffic flow and other things uh, to do with Marion, which uh, largely runs westbound, although it has the eastbound segment 
uh, you get the idea. It runs eastbound, but it's westbound from coming from Lashmodia. You get the idea. And Goulet, these are the main intersections uh, in and out of St. Boniface. Um, now, by way of background, St. Boniface, the neighborhood, is no stranger to the whims of planning departments and incoherent engineers employed by City of Winnipeg, various consultants in the past. Uh, I bring your attention to Happy Land Park and when we were on Shaw TV with City Circus, that single-handedly our media platform forced the city to pay attention to what they were trying to get away with, what certain elements are trying to get away with when it came to the area around Archibald and Marion. It's easy for people who are getting paid with your tax dollars because the consultants get paid with your tax dollars and the city staff get paid with your tax dollars. It's easy for them to cook up schemes like, hmm, let's put together a plan to expropriate 140 properties and wall in an entire neighborhood at the south e southwest corner of Archibald and Marion so that there would only be one way in and one way out uh, onto Archibald and only one roadway that would connect you to that street that would take you out. Just wall in the entire neighborhood, put in a sound barrier, let the trucks fly through, take up half of Happy Land Park, destroy businesses, destroy homes. Well, amazingly enough, after I helped organize the first uh, community meeting and the residents organized themselves and applied their knowledge, their know-how, their comprehension of their own neighborhood, did their own surveys, Boy, the city of Winnipeg, Councillor Matt Allard, who thought this was great because somewhere in there, there was going to be a bike lane. And he finally had a tuck tail and go, oh, I, I can't justify spending half a billion dollars on this. <laughs> but plenty of money was spent on the, fr on the front end of all that. The designs, the public, the meetings, the meetings at City Hall, the incompetent consultants that were hired. Well, accordingly... Knowing the city of Winnipeg has a lack of sensitivity to the same part of its neighborhood and having been around here for about 13 years, my uh, office, going back to our Kick FM days, located here in St. Boniface, where I uh, am occasionally referred to as the town Jew, but there's about four or five of us uh, in this traditional, traditionally French Catholic community. Off I go on Thursday, barely recovered from my trip to Saskatchewan, which is another story go down to the community center and uh, I guess this is sort of like an open letter. Here's here's how I'll present it. An open letter to my dear friend, Councillor Janice Lukes. Janice, now being the uh, chair of public works and with an intense interest in all these kinds of things, whether it's bike lanes, public consultation, and and as as some people have said, they may not like her, but she's better than a lot of the rest of the councillors. So go figure. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. She's not garbage. No, no, oh no, no. She, she listen. She stood up to Bowman. She she called him out for what he was destructive. I understand what she's done by trying to align herself with Gillingham. She mm -hmm. has certain. I mean, she herself personally has policy objectives and goals that aren't necessarily the same as ours. But but she's she's uh, at least trying to go about these things in a respectable way. Yeah. And she does care that the public gets good you know good delivery for its tax dollar at least most of the time. Now, what does this postcard purport that was put in mailboxes inviting the community 
Based on what we heard about design options in phase two, we created a proposed design that would improve traffic flow and road safety, enhance neighborhood vibrance and livability, add new active transportation infrastructure. Please join us for an in-person event. So off I went. Now, it was far less intense than the open houses uh, of uh, involving Happy Land Park. Uh, and, and what was, the, you know, then it was the, the, what we deemed, what I deemed, the Marion Freeway, which then drove City Hall crazy, the apparatchiks at City Hall, to call something, something that it was, even if it didn't meet the dictionary definition, because it was going to be a freeway. Because that's exactly, they're going to take out the lights in Archibald and force traffic that was trying to go to East Kildona to go through that other little neighborhood and then make a blind turn around 60 kilometer an hour traffic coming up Archibald. And you're supposed to turn off Kavanaugh, turn left, gauging the traffic going northbound, coming down Archibald towards what? And gauging the traffic coming around the bushing. They're crazy. They don't stand on the corners and really look at what they're talking about when they start saying, oh, we should add some some of this here and some trees there and, you know, an active transportation path over there. They don't pay attention to these things. But this was less intense than Happy Land Park. I grant you that. Generally, this, I mean, the staff was very pleasant. But they clearly could not grasp the neighborhood, despite claiming they had stood there. Oh, yes, I, I counted cars on that corner. The biggest idea, there's various intersection changes, some of which are, you know, sort of mechanical in terms of traffic flow, like to add uh, uh, an added uh, yield lane, a turning lane, uh, for traffic going eastbound to go south on La Jamodier, to go towards Windsor Park, for instance. Things like that, that um, with the increase in traffic and certain other changes, make some, you know, make some sense. Adding some greenery around that, again, the neighbor, the Marion Freeway would have destroyed uh, the Holden neighborhood. They're actually trying to put some money back into it. So I, I hadn't thought it until just now. I guess we shamed them so bad uh, in 2015 or whenever it was about about the Marion Freeway that they're now trying to make it up to those people stuck in, in an area that's been... I remember we reported, Kenny, how the playground had been left in complete disarray for years? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So now, you know, some of the changes are like that. Curb changes. Dougald, they want to make a change on Dawson Road. Do, uh, not Dougald, Dawson Road coming from Dougald, uh, which I'll get to in a moment. But the focus of this is on what they call the couplet. And that's the, you know, the tuning fork of Marion and Goulet when it, uh, when it uh, gets to Uville, when it gets to Uville, if you're going towards downtown or going past Uville. Anyways, the streets are twin, right? One going, uh, going uh, east, one going westbound. So the focus on that, and the focus is largely on the neighborhood that everybody, when you say Marion and Goulet, people don't really identify with the industrial part. They identify it with the St. Boniface part, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kenny, you're familiar with this. Oh, yeah, yeah. They want to put bike lanes on Marion and on Goulet. And this would, of course, entail losing a parking lane and then putting in bump outs and all these other ideas. Okay. Now, bike lanes, the bike lanes and some of these other so-called improvements, they entail lost parking. It says right on the on the billboard, uh, one of the one of the placards would be a change of parking. But when you ask, and Janice, listen, listen to me, please, because uh, I was there. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm doing a public service by doing this in many respects, not just for the, the listeners in terms of people in the community of St. Boniface more generally, but for you city councillors and yourself as well. So you know just what's going on. Because you can't be everywhere all the time. And I believe me, I understand that. But I wonder what the look would have been on your face, Janice Lukes, when I said, well, how many parking spots are being lost? And no one could give me an answer. Was it written down anywhere? 
wasn't listed on any of the boards, wasn't on the map, the 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 uh, the logistical map on the long table. That must mean that they're not going to be losing any parking spots at all, Marty. Oh, they most certainly will. What? No one. That's just me asking. I mean, there's a, these these are very smart residents. The ones that came from the Happy Land Park neighborhood, they're already very, very suspicious of what the city's up to because they see this as oh, they're going to come back at them after they finish screwing around with with what I would call this neighborhood, the St. Boniface Hospital neighborhood. Now, there's already a bike uh, accommodation uh, on Eugenie, where our old friend from Kick FM and the guy who, who taught me the consulting business, Bob Axford, he owned a house on Eugenie at the corner of Kenny. That's now an MMF-funded sixplex uh, in a given new life on that lot. So I'm very familiar with Eugenie and with the street. And a few years ago, they turned it into a bike uh, uh, bike accommodation. I don't know what they call it because it's not a green. They call it a greenway because I don't see how it's actually – I guess they call it a greenway, but it's not really green any more than the street already was. And they put in some traffic dots uh, that are not just hated but used as drug drops, as huh. Axford himself eyewitnessed. Well, meet me at the traffic dot, and you stand there. People would hide drugs inside the, the pipes that hold up the signs. That's nice. Yeah, always good. There's already an accommodation uh, – on Eugenie, 30 kilometers an hour. Well, you want to put a bike lane on Marion. What's the demand? How many are using Eugenie? No data. So I can't tell us how many parking spots are going to be lost to accommodate an unknown number of bikers that they think should be going down Marion and down Goulet. In this case, really focused on Marion. Now, there are a few things that they, they could tell us because there were a number of people. And there was when I walked in, there's about six placards up on easels. And and then a long table with a, a, a schematic uh, drawn out on it. And I would say that there was, I mean, there's probably 10 city staff is a good guess, three at the door, probably 12 maybe. And I'm assuming they're all city staffers. I didn't note that anyone was from a consulting company, but I, I can't state that absolutely, just to be fair. Uh, and I'd say there was say, 60, 70 people, probably 100 people in the time that I was there. I missed the first 45 minutes. <laughs> A lot of these people don't see the sense in bike lanes. They don't understand the loss of parking for the businesses and services in the neighborhood where they've lost a lot of businesses and services, including over the last few years. So one question was asked was, who's asking for this? Well, the city doesn't want to, doesn't want to admit it's the bike lobby. So they say, oh, it's the biz. The biz wants this. Hmm. Was there anybody from the biz here to explain why they want this? Uh, no. Ooh, that's handy. Now, let's compare what people were being told. Uh, make it easier for people bicycles and a few pedestrian sort of kind of maybe improvements and adding some paths in areas that are a little more remote down Marion where, where they're a little, as I said, the Holden neighborhood. A few things like that. And the Uville intersection that comes out across sort of kitty corner of the Marion, and they want to put in a half light there. That's where the bend is, the curve is coming back uh, again from uh, from Archibald, from the Lajemodier side, east going towards downtown, you make that turn there, and it was designed. It's sharp, and it was it, it it's designed for 30, and they want to straighten it out a bit, like change the curve a bit, move where the bus stops. Uh, I mean, it looks reasonable, and that way people can go through the corner at 40 instead of 30. Things like that. You know, there might be a quibble one way or the other, but you could see why there's some common sense behind the intention. What else behind the intention of these changes? Well. 
on the day the day before the event on March 15th, the FP, as in Free Press, Community Review East, formerly like the Herald and the Lance and stuff like that, a story by the by the very efficient Simon Fuller. I fault Simon not a bit on this. He gets quotes from the area councillor, Matt Allard, who I did not see at that open house. Matt Allard said one of the main goals of the project is to address issues such as livability and traffic flow. To make the area more accessible and safer for residents and visitors. Well, you see, accessible and safer have a, you know different meanings to people like Matt Allard than they do to people that actually live in this part of the neighborhood. More accommodating to uh, uh, okay, more ac- more accessible and safer for residents and visitors, and more accommodating to their chosen modes of transport unless they drive a car while also not losing sight of Winnipeg's climate action plan and its objectives. Kenny, I can tell you three words that were not spoken of whatsoever at this open house, come and go, moving on Marion Street event, was climate action plan. But the bike lane, they must have been, must have synergy together. No bike mention. lanes, climate action plan. Whether you're walking or cycling, there needs to be safe places for you to go on Marion and Archibald. And I remember like five, seven years ago, this guy couldn't have cared less about how safe the corner of Marion Archibald was actually going to be. We want to revitalize this, space, this street, make it safer and more efficient, meaning Marion and the, the urban part of St. Bottoms. Yeah. As part of the conversation around the efficiency aspect, Allard said there also needs to be a, mod, a model, modal shift, modal shift in the numbers and a reduction in the percentage of vehicles on the road with just a single passenger. Let me tell you what else was not uttered once at that open house. Reducing single passenger vehicles. So this is a war on cars. It's a war on people. It's a war on mobility. It's a war on people in their own neighborhood under the guise of we have to make more room for bicycles. So are you saying that they're they're actively trying to make the roads more awful for cars? Yes. They're, and I'll explain. I've got some examples. Let me let me get to that. First of all, with regards to this, make things better for cyclists. So you have people from Happy Land Park there. I, uh, Walter Kleinschmidt was there, and he was also involved in the Happy Land Park fight. He was a, bit, a loud and 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 strong voice for the community, and he's from North St. Boniface. And Walter was there. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. He listens to the podcast. He was very glad to see me. Uh, and uh, he he was there from like that neighborhood, okay, the other side of Provence. And mm-hmm. there was uh, at least a couple of fellows that I spoke to directly, homeowners on Lindale Drive. Where again, the city created this greenway and they they made traffic turn off and they made it 30 and right. Yeah, I actually yeah. wrote down what those guys said to somebody from the city of Winnipeg because we stood there staring at one of the first placards they had up. We get 10 bikes a day. It's Oof. a ghost town for bikes. It's all designed to make you not use your car. Now, the interesting thing is, Kenny, these two fellows, who I would say are somewhere between 55 and 65 years of age. They both professed immediately. They own bikes. One of them, I think he said his daughters had hers stolen three times. The other no, that's fellow. How, that's how you know they're honest Winnipeggers. Your bike gets stolen. The other fellow has two bikes. One, I guess a, a nice one. One for travel. He loves cycling. But could care less about the, about doing it on Lindale Drive and taking away mo- the mobility of people going through that, who live in the neighborhood, people who want to admire that part of the neighborhood, which is scenic. Yeah. He has a second bike. Do you know why, Kenny? 
uh, just in case his other one gets stolen. No, just in case when he goes to Safeway with the crappy bike, that one gets stolen. Yeah. He doesn't want the good bike to get stolen. True story. That's and like, they talked. They talked uh, about how. Why are you? What are you? Who are you trying to fool? With the preponderance of stolen bikes, that you're trying to encourage more people to risk their bikes because they don't see the neighborhood as safe for cyclists, not because of drivers, but because of other factors. Meanwhile, on Lindale Drive, I mentioned this, Kenny, and then we'll get back to to the examples I, I was going to cite. Yeah. Meanwhile, on Lindale Drive, they just was a Thursday night, Ken, that they uh, revoked the uh, overnight parking ban on snow routes. I think so, yeah. This fellow has a daughter, I'm assuming, actually university age. Some people came over to visit her. They didn't think, nobody thought twice, right? Two in the morning, three in the morning. They're going right. to, you know, not drink, not have had a cocktail or whatever they had. They get up in the morning, their vehicles were towed. This is like around March the 6th or 7th or something. No snowfall overnight, no nothing. Towed. Now, what message does that send people? And this this was absolute uh, – this extension is, was garbage. It was absolute – it was scavenging for dollars that these university students had their vehicles towed when there's really – how do they – how do you expect people to know, even know, that it had been changed this year and didn't expire at the end of February? That is just – it's gross. It's a gross way to treat people as – they couldn't give it a warning ticket. They had to be towed because we have to keep the towing companies in business because they might have to pay back half or a third of what they ripped the city up for in the first place. And are they even going to give them the right uh, amount of a penalty on the ticket, right? We know that people have been writing the tickets inappropriately. So now let's talk about some of the on the ground aspect. Now, they're very careful to say that this isn't funded and it's just a it's a plan. They're making a plan for a plan. They're planning for a plan. But people in St. Boniface already smell that the plan's been made. Okay? And you can tell when you go online to do the, their little survey for this. And when you fill it out, on, especially when you fill it out on paper, as mm-hmm. a number of us did, and you could just see how rigged this is. There's no opting out. There's no arguing with these ideas. There's no nuance whatsoever to, to the ability to respond until a few comments towards the end. There's no admission where the influences come from in the city policy or that, in fact, this is one of the things that they said was, well, th- this kind of thing has been done all over the city. And people are looking at it going, I don't care what you're doing in other parts of the city. We care about our unique neighborhood of St. Boniface. And I wish Councillor Lard had been there to see that. Now. These maps, you know, the the bike, the new bike lane idea, that's that's like, I think it was a colored like yellow strip, okay, that they add. So there's different colors on these maps. And and, and on the schematic, on the long table, there's, uh, you know, one of the difficulties here is nothing's labeled. So you can't be sure what business is where, at which intersections you stare at it. It's small print. It's faint. It would be helpful to have some pasties. Pasties, paste ups of, you know, no frills here and, and, and you know, the, the, you know, the Marion Hotel there just so people could, I, when they're staring at this, have a better sense of what it is they're looking at. The landmarks, I guess, is the term I was struggling for. They have a well, map take, with no labels on it. That's useless. You, 
they they were having people put sticky notes on everything with their comments, which was good because they said outright, well, that way we can't say we weren't told. Now, I don't know if they were taking pictures afterwards or whatever. And and there were a lot of comments. There's certainly people that are in favor of more bike infrastructure, whatever. But again, this is being advanced. This is being advanced in a very uneven manner. There is a fair way I can put it to Councillor Luke's. Why, I asked, is Traverse between Goulet and Marion a different color than Kenny is between Goulet and Marion, Kenny the street? <laughs> Why is that? Oh, uh, because the, the gray, I think it was gray, means uh, that there's going to be a change on the street. Oh, okay. Well, what's the change? Uh, bike lanes. Well, wait a second. There's, you want to put bike lane, a bike lane on Marion, a bike lane on Goulet? What? Yeah. So this yellow on the curb in the curb lane, so you're going to take out the parking and put in a curb lane. Why? Oh, well, because uh, active transportation, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> well, I'll get back to that because, Kenny, did you not – we talked earlier. Yeah. Loss of parking? There's a loss of parking right there, and not just any parking. There will there now. I say, well, how come Traverse South? Like, there's no bike lane leading to this. All of a sudden, there's a like two little bike lanes. Where's this coming from? Why is it? Oh no, there's no room south of Traverse. We don't have room for a bike lane. <laughs> I don't think they have room for a bike lane on Marion. This is a very this is a very frustrating place to drive already. Now, to show you how, as I said, some of these ideas are sensible and there's some structural changes. They want to change some, you know, and the recreational uh, additions are probably acceptable to some extent. They themselves have no clue about. About why things are the way they are, and they have no clue what the impact is of some of the ideas that they're floating here and they're seeking public approval. They aren't coming forward with this saying. We want you to tell us that you you know what you don't like. This is always tell us what you like. What about this? What about that? Right? They're trying to reel people in, get some buy-in, so that the frankly, so the counselor's phone doesn't ring off the hook. Is this the bike lane a fantastic, b terrific, or c wonderful? Right. Yes. Exactly. That's what's going on now. There's when you're coming from Dougald Road, you're coming through the industrial part of St. Boniface uh, off the mission, I guess it was. Uh, and, and you come up and you're going up towards uh, and it's industrial. I think there's some oil companies there or whatever. Uh, and you come up Dawson Road towards Marion. And if you keep going up Dawson Road, it goes up and it bends and gives you La Jumodier, you know, right around the Symington Yards. You're familiar with that, Kenny? Yep. Like oh, an yeah. Like an industrial yeah. cut through. Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of construction going on there. Now, there's a funnel lane coming up so that Dawson becomes like a fork. And two lanes veer to the left to go straight up, either straight up Dawson or to turn left to go onto Marion, eastbound to Lajamodier that way. For, for whatever, oh, doesn't matter why. Okay. Hmm. There's this funnel lane that forks off. It's like a chute. And when you get to Marion... There's a yield sign. This is beside Bennett Printing. And then you would turn, take that yield, and veer to the right. They want to eliminate it. I'm looking at this map. And it's like, well, we're going to eliminate that. 
Well, why? Oh, because it creates conflict. Well, what do you mean it creates conflict? Well, it creates a point we're, cre- we're eliminating points of conflict. Now, there's a young couple standing beside me who I, I guess were from the Holden era, neighborhood or something, um, which is nearby, uh, and a couple of other people. And I look at this young person, clearly wet behind the ears, and I say, do you know why that is there? Um, no. If you don't know why it's there, why do you want to get rid of it? Well, again, it, it, we're trying to eliminate points of conflict. And, no. Let me tell you what that lane is for. What kind of traffic, Kenny, comes down Dawson Road? I was just about to say oversized loads. Bingo. Big trucks. And so their idea is to take off this funnel lane that eases because at Dawson and Marion, this is a, it is not a 90 degree angle. It's it's a it's angle to the left. Yeah, so, uh, it, it's. That's why they created this lane. So vehicles, big vehicles would be able to ease onto Marion where a lot of them are going, especially if they're heading towards downtown or whatever elsewhere in the industrial area there off Marion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine taking that away and those big uh, oversized loads, Kenny. Now, if they want to go west towards downtown on Marion, they have to turn right at the lights at that intersection of Marion and Dawson Road. And that that happens quite a bit in that area, too, because there's always those police escorts escorting those things uh, through the city. Coming out of that area. So the city wants to make wants to make big vehicles jackknife around that corner that's the way they drew it have to pull clearly have to pull into the far left lane to to, to make the turn if not into the oncoming traffic what's going to happen when a train's got traffic backed up you're going to have gridlock not for the bikes marty they'll just keep on going you don't need to worry about the bikes i said oh conflicts i said do you have any data about how many accidents are happening uh, on Dawson at, uh, uh, at that intersection? No. Oh, so you say there's conflicts, but you have no accident data. That's three p- simple points. How many bikes do you anticipate, right? Yeah. Couldn't tell me. How many parking spots being lost? Couldn't tell me. How many accidents would justify you creating an intersection that's arguably more dangerous than letting traffic just try come up that lane and and be shuttled over on that side, right? Yeah. yeah. And then ease in. But they don't it creates conflicts. No accident data. Who needs facts? City of Winnipeg doesn't. They pay people to start drawing up plans with no facts backing them. Or facts they don't want the public to know. More bikes, less faxes. That's what, or less, yes, less facts. Yes, more bikes, less facts. Yes. Yeah. Conflicts. So we see that on Lindale Drive, firsthand. Like, what's that? Con- like, what's a conflict? Traffic where, conflict? Yeah, where, 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 uh, is like where there isn't people- a light controlling traffic, and somebody's coming out into on oncoming traffic from a side street. That's a conflict point to these the, these geniuses. But that's not all. Everything's controlled, though. 
All the intersections are controlled. Sorry. Well, sorry. There's all, they all have stop signs. Some yeah. have yields. Yeah. None of them are blind corners. No. You know. <laughs> nope. Make up plans that make no sense. Then try to slip it past people at a meeting. And, uh, and the people of St. Boniface are very skeptical about a lot of things because of the experience with Happy Land Park. Not only is that not going away, this meeting, sorry to say, Janice Luce, probably made it for a number of people worse. Sorry to tell you. Now, it's not that the staff wasn't nice, okay? And it's not like every idea was terrible. But let's get to a couple of these genius parts here. Remember the excuses, oh, the biz wants this. There's nobody from the biz to explain this. And the biz also, I'm going to explain, has to be accountable to the neighborhood. Oh, one other, actually, I'll, I'll fit this in at this next point. I decide, hmm, now that I've seen this stuff, I should investigate with some good old-fashioned gumshoeing, as we used to say in the reporting business. And so I head off to the proposed bike lane area between Marion and Goulet on Traverse. And I take a few steps and decide I'm going to ask a little bit. And I go into one of the affected businesses. I'm not going to say which yet because the owner is going to be contacting me. But this business, the day manager, who's been there since they, since day one with that business, many years at, uh, at that corner. The day manager came out to talk with me. I said, hey, uh, there's a meeting at City Hall. and your property was being discussed. This location was being discussed. I just want to find out what you guys know about it. The day manager's been there for over 10 years and happens to know people I know, as it turns out, because she recognized me from, from actually posting wrestling shows. Never heard a word about it. She doesn't think the owner's heard about it either. She's going to be getting the owner to get a hold of me. Hmm. hmm. That's possible. The owner knows. It's possible the owner's all good with it. But let me tell you what the day manager said. Take away our parking. What? Where people, huh? I went into another business on that corner and they've directed me. Uh, they did not want to talk at all. Uh, and they directed me to the point to, uh, you know, call this number. I got the runaround. I'll be talking with the vice president of that company in the next couple of days. I have their email address. <laughs> all I want to know is. Were the businesses affected by this idea where you go to the public and say, hey, we want to put a bike lane here and here. Now you get 20 people with bicycles, 40 people with bicycles. Oh, that's a great idea. Well, that kind of puts the businesses behind the eight ball when they weren't told in the first place, doesn't it? That sounds fair. I seem to remember a bike lane was postponed on McDermott for a year because none of the businesses were, were uh, told in advance of the idea. The good old days. It's still the good old days for some in the city of Winnipeg. So now I found one business that absolutely positively, you'd think the owner would have told the day manager, hey, there's this idea. Now, not only are they proposing the bike lanes there, which cost parking. How much parking, you ask, Kenny? How much is parking, Marty? The Well, how many parking spots? There's a boat. There's a back lane intersecting, and the back lane leads down a Safeway and right. goes in behind the... The uh, the uh, doggy daycare and in behind a bank, okay? Yeah. So there's yeah, about yeah. four or five cars that can park in the first stretch, then the back lane, another four or five in the other side. So you're telling me you got to put in a bike lane because people can't be trusted to safely traverse a maximum of – because they're only going up past one side of the street – a maximum of 10 parked cars. Hmm. And they can't be trusted. 
you got to just take out that parking. Well, clearly, clearly, when the city puts forward plans, without thinking for a minute, this is really, even putting a proviso on one of the boards, this would take parking away from the bank that serves 80% of the customers are senior citizens over the age of 70, and the doggy daycare where everybody's walking their dog in. Every client has a dog. <laughs> Let's take the parking away, and not just on Kenny. This proposal to modify Marion takes away parking on Marion with these little bump outs. So instead of being able to be in the curb lane and turn left in front of the Scotiabank, they want to force all that traffic out of the curb lane and create more gridlock. On Gouley, the same thing. Why do you want to put the bump out there? Oh, well, that's parking. Nobody parks in front of TMAC, you morons. People go to TMAC, the repair shop, they park on the lot. That lane is open. People can drive in, and then they turn right and go down Kenny. That's another thing. This plan to, to throttle traffic and parking on Kenny, because uh, on, uh, on uh, Traverse, rather. I said, well, what effect are any of these plans going to have on the neighborhood? Not Marion, not Goulet. Let's keep going north on the neighborhood north of Goulet. How's it going to affect the traffic flow? We don't know. Have you done a traffic study? No. But how do you know this isn't going to cause problems in that neighborhood? They don't care. You know why? Because somebody gets their bike lanes. Imagine that. You're going to change access and egress into a neighborhood and all around a neighborhood and not think, hmm. Because they always worry about traffic going on Eugenie, or which is why they limited it to 30, right? And traffic going on these other streets south of Marion. But north of Goulet, the area around the hospital, they don't give two shits. And you wonder why nobody trusts City Hall. And you wonder why nobody trusts Councillor Matt Allard when it comes to stuff like this. So when people are, oh, the resident association's in favor of it. Well, guess what? Matt Allard succeeded in. He succeeded in an environment where there's been institutional capture of certain by certain ideologies of the neighborhood associations and the biz. That's plainly apparent. It's been known for some time. And you need neighborhood associations to get along when they're a little too tight. When people start gifting bicycles to the area council and other such things, this creates <laughs> an environment of absolute influence and favoritism. And as mild as it seemed on those maps, on those placards, as mild as the language was, they don't talk about the eh, climate action plan. They don't talk about getting rid of single passenger vehicles. They don't use any of that language when the public actually comes to see the plans. But Allard is more than glad to tell Simon Fuller, the reporter, you know, exactly what's up here. He should have been there on his own two feet telling people, hey, climate action plan. And then he would have been told to shove it up his ass. Nobody's bicycling on Lindale. And guess what? I then go today, I think, you know, I'm going to go past Eugenie, the, 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 the current bike lane, just to look what it looks like this time of the winter, early-ish spring, right? There's a fellow, as you'll see in the cover photo for this episode. The guy's got a shovel, a pick, and an axe, and he is trying to unclog Lake Eugenie, formed by the ice dam, because the city, for two consecutive snowfalls, did not properly clear that corner. 
So here's a citizen on a Sunday afternoon with a shovel. And I, and I just hit the brakes like, what? A shovel, an ice pick, <laughs> and an axe with a red handle. Trying That's, to that talk. axe is for protection, though. That's well, not, could, uh, well, could be actually. Interesting, you mentioned that. I hey, can I talk to you? I pull over, I talk to them, and another neighbor comes over. The neighbor's an avid cyclist. Avid cyclist. He goes, why would they want to? They what? Why would they want a bike lane on Goulet and Mary? Why aren't they telling people to come here? Because he lives on Eugenie. He wants to see more cyclists on Eugenie to justify it. The other fellow doing the work of public works, where they've called 911 in the last two times they haven't come, okay? Guess what? This guy's a retiree. Guess where he worked? The city of Winnipeg. Kenny, guess what department he worked for? <laughs> uh, probably maintenance. Did you say public works? Yeah, public works, maintenance. Sure. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Also, not amused the least by this money-wasting term he used, concept. And even he referenced, you know, in the summertime, there's cyclists here. In the winter, there's like three people on Eugenie. This fantasy, what's going to happen pretty soon is you're going to have this clash, cultural clash. Uh, I, j- just to explain with St. Bonifus, the idea is they're going to come back with a drop, another plan, and take it to council next fall or something. By yeah. then, I assure you, I'll have talked with every business that I can identify as being affected by losing parking. And let them know how many spots are supposedly going to be lost if the city can ever get off its ass enough to give me one. Well, why is this important, people say? Eh, you know what? These businesses employ people in the neighborhood. When these businesses close, is it any good for the neighborhood? Of course not. When different services pull out, would it be good to lose the dog loft and the Scotiabank branch? Only a moron. No, you must be a really smart person to take a paycheck and put together a design to put in front of the public that takes away parking in front of a bank that serves senior citizens, of which there's how many apartment buildings on Gouley and Marion catering to seniors, exclusively seniors, and take away parking for people that are bringing their dogs to and from a care facility. But you don't live in the neighborhood. You don't have to think about, huh, huh, what's this going to do to the quality of life in the neighborhood for people that aren't riding their bicycle? So I guess in a way that's what this show is about, right? Not everybody rides a bike. Even the people Wait. that ride a bike don't like what the city tries to do, ramming through bike lanes where they don't make sense. I just figured everyone rode their bike all the time. Aren't you riding a bike right now? Uh, no. Now, you mentioned safety. I want to get to this. We'll talk about crime and other things. But another remark that was made at the open house was the city sure spending a lot of money on this kind of this kind of nonsense. And again, some of the changes to curbs, a few of the alignments, trying to fix Uville with a half light. I, 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 that's reasonable. That's fair to put in front of the public. Putting stuff that's the product of a biased process and influences and influence peddling is not. The TD Bank in the Domin- what used to be called the Dominion Center probably still is because originally there was a Dominion store there. So that's uh, the Subway, the McDonald's, the Shoppers Drug Mart, the Domo Gas. 
Right. Which technically is a Goulet. I think those are technically Goulet addresses. I think some of them. Uh, um, I think so. Yeah. Strangely, some other Goulet addresses. Anyways, they've closed the vestib- vestibule. They had a, a walk-in ATM. But right. now it's outdoors. Like a walk up, like like walking up to a a a, a car drive through, at a except this isn't a drive through. Yeah, so, yeah. I feel safer not not now," said someone sarcastically. <laughs> I I I it I stumbled across. Uh, I mean, that was mentioned specifically to, by somebody. They can't even keep a, a, a an ATM safe. The Scotiabank had closed. I don't know if they're open overnight now, but they closed. At one point, they were closed after like 5 o'clock. Yeah. And had to have a security guard. So here at TD Center, well, you can get your money, but you're in the wide open in front of the green door and the green pan. I mean, it's brightly painted, which I guess is good. It's highly visible. The problem is highly visible. The stories online about this, nothing like walking in that with piss everywhere. Better that they keep it closed. Or, said someone else, walking to people exposing themselves and people sleeping in there. I don't know how many times for one person I walked away because I saw someone sleeping there. I smelled piss because they went because they they uh, are basically trying to live there. Yeah, that is a huge problem with those uh, ATM places. Here's another guy, fellow, who said my thoughts exactly, told two males to take a hike were harassing a young woman for money while she was withdrawing cash last week around 12 p.m. And I think by 12 p.m. he means noon. If anything is probably safer this way, you won't be stepping over people to get to the machine and no one can try and trap you in that little money closet that was there. Yeah, like it. I, I don't know why it's not common sense that they're they don't let people stay there. Well, because because when the pendulum is swung to the to the hug a thug mentality and to the uh, this notion that that civil disorder and social disorder should be tolerated in the in the name of of letting people like conduct themselves in an undignified way in public space because it I creates mean, again it creates how many jobs does this create at at at, at uh, these various agencies that are repeatedly some do good work but a lot of them get have big budgets and aren't solving homelessness and aren't solving uh, again you know you think does anybody think a safe injection site is going to solve this not this well, but this is easily solved about, by. We're going to talk about safe injection sites this week. We'll we'll do that next week. So St. Boniface says safety problems, safety issues, uh, including whether your bike's going to be stolen. When they see the city of Winnipeg engage in these kinds of exercises, they found, um, to some extent, manipulative. To and certainly not being able to nope, it's inexcusable that there wasn't a chart there. We anticipate twenty to thirty parking spots may be lost. We had to right where the the proposal for the the other uh, tunnel. I mean, you could dig a tunnel bike lane between tra- to to connect uh, Marion and Goulet. That's a, hey, that's like twelve spots. Twelve. Wait, five, ten, fifteen. That's like twenty spots right there. <laughs> wait a second. Let's get somebody. Oh, about twenty-five. That's twenty. That's easily even if they're big vehicles. That's easily four, eight. 12, 6, easily 16 spots, Kenny. Oh, yeah, 100%. Just there. Just there. Well, this is why, as we swing towards the break, this is why we're here for you. 
There was no other reporters there. Nobody else is going to tell you the straight goods. Nobody else is going to clue in Counselor Luke's just how her how her city departments are aren't performing on the ground. I'm glad to do it. I know Janice will take notes. I know she herself will get me the answer. How many parking spots are anticipated of being lost by the proposals that are on that map? We'll see if maybe Mattelarge starts to care a little bit more about the St. Boniface neighborhood. And this kind of thing goes on in all sorts of neighborhoods. And the kind of thing that both on 92.9 Kick FM and on City Circus on Shaw TV that uh, we have specialized in with the great Canadian talk show with citizen journalism. And so if uh, the this probably took me two hours, three uh, four, five, right, the, the time today. So I probably put about six hours into this. And if you've derived knowledge, entertainment, enjoyment, or gotten you riled up a little bit at City Hall, always a good thing. That's why we ask for your support, whether it's by advertising, donations, or other means to keep this enterprise going, to keep me and Kenny on the roads and on the streets. Kenny, I understand you took a bus this week. Yeah, I took a bus for the first time in years. Well, we're going to hear about that right after the break. Uh, little pitch, little pitcheroo coming up during the break. And uh, and again, no Trudeau here, no government money, uh, no YouTube money. We're not monetized that way. If you think it's important that neighborhoods get the straight goods, that somebody's watching out for their interests so the businesses don't suddenly find out they're going to lose all their parking because some geniuses decide that they're going to create plans that cater to certain groups in society or certain groups in the community at the expense of others potentially their livelihoods that's the role we play that's the kind of service that your financial support goes towards uh big or small it all counts and heading into spring, I want to get, get out on the road and headed towards a provincial election. I want to get back on the road. I want to be able to go to more events like this. Talk with amazing what you learn when you actually go to talk with people at work and on the streets and how different it is from what you hear from the mainstream media, from the kinds of interviews that they go, uh, go where they seek the echo chamber. They seek recon, reconfirmation of the desired narrative. We learned that with Happy Land Park. It'll be over my dead body. They're going to pull on Marion and Goulet, what they tried to pull on uh, on uh, to the good people uh, over by Happy Land Park uh, at Archibald uh, at the Archibald intersection. Absolutely not. That's why we're here. That's why we need your support. Back with more of the Great Canadian Talk Show right after this. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at TGCTS. You have the power. Back with uh, part two of this week's edition, episode 15 of the Great Canadian Talk Show here in season two. Um, I encourage you all to follow us on YouTube to pick up these podcasts uh, to watch them. Uh, and for those of you that are watching them, I thank you, and I thank you for your comments. I know it's a lot easier for some people when the segments are divided up uh, in a sh- uh, shorter varieties, and especially if they're you know specific to uh, the subject that you're in- interested in. And we're doing our best to try to accommodate that and make it amusing. There's nothing else like it in Winnipeg. There's no other podcast like this in Winnipeg. There never has been a news podcast in Winnipeg of any effect outside of the efforts that Kenny and I have put in over the not, years. Not just like this podcast, but... This is something that you used to specialize in on Kick FM, is going down to these uh, consultations and actually talking to the people there and talking to the people in the neighborhood. Well, uh, sure. That short-lived series, uh, Winnipeg Watchdog, was it? 
Yes, yes, the Winnipeg Watchdog blog I did. That was that was all just that stuff, right? That I, I, I no one else does that. I think that I think you that's know, the I, real power of. I'm I'm wondering. There's a few things I'm wondering about, and I'm wondering if if there's a if that if that sort of uh, division of what we do might have to be revived because uh, nobody else, you know, whether it's St. Boniface or Fort Rouge or 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 uh, or you know a neighbor to the north end nobody else talks about the effects of these concepts that come up from city planners and urban visionaries and globalists and and climate plans climate nobody action plans yeah yeah climate action plans nobody talks about the the actual effect uh, at ground level on the people that are paying the bill that's right and and this is part of the class of of the class divide uh, and it is a class divide, and and it gets encouraged by the, you know, the the, the people make a lot of money, uh, and people make a lot of money, and they don't treat the taxpayers' dollars like, like it has any value. They treat it like it's their money too. Yeah. Not saying every counselor or every bureaucrat, but it's just so easy for them to just cook up just harebrained ideas. <laughs> I mean, clearly, <laughs> and and. And when you think that journalism, I will just digress for a minute, then we'll get the Crime Court's public safety update, I promise, and Kenny's misadventures on the bus. When you look at what went on with banks in the U.S. lately and with the Fed, and I'm no expert on this stuff. I'm not an expert on Wall Street. But as was pointed out by uh, Rudy Havenstein, who's a brilliant analyst on financial markets and 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 understands the ins and outs, and the, he has the institutional knowledge. Who said what, when? Who instituted what? What kinds of criminals these are that have, you know, the professional class of of of, uh, of the technocrats that run Washington and have survived administrations of whatever political painting, because you basically got a, a political color, because you basically got a uniparty going on. You think the journalists are going to help you? Here are the top two Wall Street Journal Fed reporters. Wall Street Journal's top two reporters on the Fed. Here's their latest books. One, Yellen, the trailblazing economist who navigated an era of upheaval. <laughs> and the other one, how Jay Powell and the Fed battled a president in a pandemic and prevented economic disaster. The book's called Trillion Dollar Triage. Oh, it's people, so clever. These people, Rudy pointed out, are not journalists. They're publicists. Who is tough on the Fed and the MSM? No one. Ah, see, that's where people like us come in, whether it's at the big levels or at the city hall level or the banking level or the provincial level, because the mainstream media doesn't. They, In this case, they love the Fed. Otherwise, they wouldn't be Fed reporters. I've never seen reporters more obsequious and deferential, wrote Rudy, than when they're questioning uh, uh, Fed officials and Fed members. The Fed has immense power over all of us, and this is a national disgrace because they could have, you know, what do they care? Banks collapsed, the money was funneled to the appropriate climate action groups and Democratic <laughs> candidates and loans that will never get paid back. I mean, it's complete criminal behavior from top to bottom. Oh, but it's Silicon Valley, right? So give them a pass. Nobody goes to jail for none of this. And it affects financial markets all over the world and, and banks uh, all over the place, including Canada. So again, as he pointed out, 
the media are like cheerleaders for this stuff because of ideological capture starting in the universities. No better proof of that. Um, I don't want to go in that direction, but we see that play out politically with candidates, for instance, from the NDP all the time. All the time. And the next thing you know, they're apologizing on the day of an election. Well, we aren't really anti-Semites. We're sorry we gave you that impression. We didn't mean what we said. Sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry, guys. Okay. And again, just to reinforce, as Kenny said, public consultation, gaps in If I find out that those businesses had no idea that this was planned and their businesses, their locations were being talked about at a town hall, at an open house by city of Winnipeg officials, I will raise hell. I promise my audience that. Crime court's public safety update. (laughs) We're going to get to buses in a minute. I I had promised people that I was going to address something from a couple of weeks ago where the free press, uh, sorry, the CBC rather, CBC. Flip-flopped what should have been the headline with what was the subhead. The headline was very dull. The highlight of this story was the subhead. Transcona counselor calls terminals laughable alternative to reopening stations, meaning police stations, to public. This from March 10th with the police chief. What was, What's the difference between terminals and stations? It sounds like it's just... No, no, no. Reopening stations means having humans take the reports. They want to have video terminals. Oh... Okay. Police plan to install video terminals in the entrances to three district stations that remain closed to the public since the start of the pandemic. The pilot project comes to some city council to put pressure on the police to reopen the stations to visitors 24 hours a day. When you walk into the station, there will be somebody there to greet you. This is what, what he's saying. That's what they want. Take down, down a police report. Deal with any kind of safety matter, Transcona Council Russ Wyatt told reporters following a meeting in the Winnipeg Police Board. Russ Wyatt, no stranger to this program, on both radio and television, might I add, uh, Evan Duncan, the new uh, counselor from Charleswood Tuxedo Westwood, joined Wyatt in urging the board to reopen the northeast and west district stations because you can only make a personal report downtown. We all know how safe that is. Sarge, Superintendent Brian Milne said the idea was a 12-month pilot project to put terminals in the entrances to the stations, which I guess entrances to the stations. I struggled with this, Kenny. I guess it means like the vestibule, vestibule, the and you know, like the the front hall. The exact thing they just got rid of at the TD Bank. Exactly. And it'll be staffed by volunteers who will act as, quote, wayfinders, helping direct members of the public to the help they need. Huh? The terminals will also allow residents to file reports, submit digital evidence, and get information. Following the meeting, Danny Smythe told reporters it won't be the model like we had in the past. We'd be greeted by an officer sitting behind a desk because he says that he's reallocated, redeployed 18 officers from each of those district stations and bring them back into the stations would be too costly. I don't think that's a good use of police resources, Smythe said. Well, he has two police officers stationed full time at the Winnipeg Library. How did his hair look in that picture? I didn't see a picture. Volunteers will be available between 4 a.m. and 8 a.m., and that is what set off Russ Wyatt. He wants 24-hour service. Of course he does, because that's what policing means. (laughs) I think, frankly, that is laughable. Jeez, I should have done that in my Russ Wyatt voice. That's laughable. We're talking about people who may have had a serious experience with regard to being victimized or breaking into or even an auto accident. That could be traumatic. There should be somebody there 24-7 to meet with them. A firm start date for the pilot project not set. Cost estimate ten thousand uh, dollars. Uh, the other thing I'll mention from the CBC story, unrelated to the 
this ridiculous idea of video terminals instead of actual police officers dealing with actual people who are actual victims of crime. Like, what? These, the, yeah. like, what? I mean, if it works for McDonald's, it's going to work for Winnipeg, right? McDonald's is the exact same thing as the city of Winnipeg Police Service. They do the exact same thing, Marty. Sure, put in your punch in your order. Yeah. Do you have a coupon? <laughs> city Smythe says he, he, were you attacked with a weapon or was it an edged, not weapon? Was it an edged? Please weapon? check all that apply. Edged, dull, serrated. Combo number one is the machete attack on the bus. It will be. Hmm. Uh, Smythe wants hire more 911 operators, uh, which will cost about $400,000, which Smythe says has not been included in this year's budget and will have to be found through savings. Hmm. You don't think they still have too many uh, superintendents and paper pushers, do you? Oh, Danny Smythe would never discuss that. Savings. Uh, I I want to skip to the bus thing now, Kenny, since you mentioned it and machetes on buses. One thing that you can get on a bus now, and then we'll get to your experience. But one thing you can get uh, on a bus now is fights. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, you mean like UFC fights? No, 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 no. Live in person fights. You don't have to oh. go. To the, you no longer have to go to the. You know, the Green Briar to watch a UFC pay-per-view or something or to, to Boogies or something on Main Street. You can go take a city bus and you'll see a fight Friday night, 1130 p.m. In the where else? Guess what? Right near Boogies. Matter of fact, the 1200 block of Main Street. Transit supervisors uh, were involved in a fight. Uh, there was a male on a stalled bus at the intersection of Mount, Main and Mountain with blood on his face. They escorted him off the bus. He got aggressive, tried to open the front door to gain access inside the bus. He was also swearing at supervisors. Ooh. The front passenger window on the bus was seen cracked in the incident. He was placed in handcuffs uh, and when officers arrived on the scene. And this is uh, Midnight News on Facebook had video of this. The uh, bright lights all shining up. Many police and uh, I think fire resources. Uh, taken up with regards to that incident. That's not the only fight. So that was Friday night around 1130. 12 hours later, bus 347, number 17, which I guess is Route 17. A fist fight is breaking out the back of the bus. A woman hit a guy in the face. The bus keeps going. Welcome. <laughs> Kenny, were there any fights on the bus that you took? Uh, no, actually. Actually, it was a very uh, pleasant bus ride. I was surprised how pleasant it was, to be honest. Uh, where did you go to and from, if you don't mind divulging your whereabouts? We just took the 83, so it was just right down Hamilton, pretty much. Is that, so that's like a neighborhood feeder? Yeah, yeah. It's, we went to Unicity. Oh, okay. All right. So is, is that a small one of the smaller buses? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. I can't imagine that's a really busy route, especially. What, what day did you take it, Ken? We took it Saturday. Uh, we were the only ones on the bus going to Unicity. Yeah, sure. So yeah, yeah. No, well, like what, it, what time of the day? Uh, it was lunchtime, so noon. Yeah, you know, a bus that—that's for a if that's the the route that the driver has, he's lucky because although there has been the odd incident out in this by Assiniboia, yeah, uh, the yeah. odd uh, the especially youth related youth related violence, uh, but I don't remember any big issue with bus it happening with buses or transit stops uh, in that neighborhood, uh, not to my recollection anytime lately. The only thing that I did notice is that there's no more ads on the buses. There used what? to be it used to be covered in ads on the inside, and now yeah, not as much. It's really, I wonder why. What happened? Did they I, is the is the um hardware still installed? Yeah, yeah. Like there were a few ads, you know, bus etiquette, this sort of thing. But no actual commercial ads. 
Uh, like one for the University of Calgary online, I think, is the only one that I remember seeing. If but when I was taking the bus before, I remember there being like ads for TV shows and everything like that. That that's it's a good question whether that's a reflection of a of uh, the city deciding not to emphasize it or trying to phase it out or whether there's just such a downturn. Yeah, uh, thinking maybe because that, you know, that'll be that would be placed by a media company doing buy. I, I, I'm guessing here, but I think it would be a media company doing buys, right? So, yeah, right? the Great Canadian Talk Show wants an ad on buses, and we go to to a buyer. Yeah, no right? one's looking up in the buses. I guess they're all looking down on their phones. Good. Point. That's what I'm thinking. I'm glad that you didn't. See a fight or get into a fight? No, no, we did not. But I, I was, you know, I was apprehensive at first. Like, oh, should I really start doing this bus thing here? But I'm like, you know what? No, let's just do it. And but in your neighborhood, you, you feel it's fairly safe. Uh, yeah. I mean, but that's the thing about buses is that that, that incident on Mount Royal shows that it can happen. You're right. You know city. what? I, I, the incident up by the University of Manitoba yeah. shows that, you know, Buses, uh, anyone can take the bus anywhere. Anybody can get macheted waiting for a bus. Exactly. Uh, other crime, uh, court crime and public safety matters I want to just get to quickly. 28-year-old man was uh, charged after a week, this, uh, I guess, a week ago, Friday, March the 10th. Yeah. Same time as, at the same time as Danny Smythe is saying that he doesn't want actual police officers to deal with actual victims of crime in the comfort of a police station, not standing up. Can you imagine? People have been, you know, just gotten whiplash in a car accident, a hit and run. They go to report it and they have to stand. What? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. A guy was arrested. Two counts of aggravated assault. One count of possession of a weapon connected with two stabbings downtown on March, on Friday, a week ago Friday. That was where the one guy was stabbed inside the store on Portage Avenue. Didn't know who it was. Gets stabbed. Second guy was uh, uh, confronted outside a couple of minutes later, like same stretch of Portage Avenue, basically. Yeah, yeah. They had yeah. a brief conversation, stabbed the fellow, takes off. Officers arrested an intoxicated suspect near Portage and Gary. Meanwhile, as Global Winnipeg tweeted in a story relating to the Winnipeg Police Service, if you're worried about walking downtown, police say you shouldn't carry pepper spray or a knife as it's illegal. And they say you may want to set the electronics aside. Don't defend yourself. Don't take your valuables downtown. See, this is like, what's the solution then, Global Winnipeg? Like, you're just giving us problems, not like what we should be doing. They're just regurgitating what the cops say. Yeah, they I know that. And they aren't about to challenge it. They don't have a single newsroom uh, employee on. Te- I'm talking about the television side. There's nobody yeah. there who's got balls enough to. I wish, I wish a global reporter, I realize they're mostly female nowadays. I, I understand that. I wish one of them would go undercover and start taking buses for a week, hidden camera. Waiting for buses, Gary Street, Smith Street, take the Osborne, take the mountain bus. Go ahead. Do they even do the news from Winnipeg anymore, or is it all central oh, location? I think the evening news was that being done out of Toronto or something, and the weekends yeah. are all done out of Toronto? Possibly. Yeah, well, look what Trudeau buys you. We've Not only do we have fights on, on buses, but we've had a resurgence, once again, of our old-time favorite, stolen cars. One stolen car with two kids inside. I, 1800 block of Ellis would have been at a hotel. We would have gone to a hotel to get the keys or something. And because it's around uh, 10 p.m., some maniac drove around with these two kids for 10 minutes before she let them get out of the car. <clears throat> uh, the helicopter, the cop helicopter tracked it. They tried to stop the car. It got sideswiped. So there's one police car with damage. 
hit another car going up Pebbin Highway 10 minutes later. Both vehicles spun out of control, sped away again, injuring the, the, the driver of the second vehicle. Then at Grant and Stafford hit another car, then ran away from the scene, 29-year-old woman facing several charges, including theft of a motor vehicle, two counts of kidnapping, and two counts of forcible confinement. I think that's the first time in a long time I remember a woman being driving a car erratically like this. Well, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I just it's 20 year old Winnipeg man is facing a dozen charges in connection with a crime spree last Tuesday involving robberies at three grocery stores and a gas station. He punched the, a grocery employee in the face, and he's also accused of stealing a car from a Donald Street Parkade. So, and, so clearly he wasn't at one of the superstars that has the police officers in it. No, he he drove the stolen car all the way up to Bozier where the RCMP spotted it and uh, picked him off. Three robbery charges, two counts of disguise with intent, theft under 5,000, theft of a motor vehicle, two counts of speeding, driving without a license, careless driving, failing to stop for police. Well. So, yeah, it's not even, you know, do, you, do you think taking a bus is dangerous? Trying to take your own car can be dangerous in this town. Just working at a grocery store is dangerous. I got to tell you this. Uh, I'll, I'll mention this as well. I went yesterday, Saturday, a rarity for me to go to a funeral on Saturday because in the Jewish tradition, we don't have funerals on Shabbos. Uh, so I'm, I mean, I, I probably have attended funerals on a Saturday, but it's been a long time. Right. And I went to the funeral for Terry Mahalik, the wrestling photographer uh, yesterday. And uh, uh, the wrestling community, uh, which he was so connected with was well represented. I, I hope people would think it was well represented by Dave Petro, uh, uh, by myself, uh, Danny Duggan, the CWE owner and champion, and, and uh, Josh Nason, uh, who's the uh, uh, announcer, ring announcer, uh, and a longtime friend from PCW. And worked for Andrew Sardo as a fan. He's did Andrew shows for many uh, many years over there, uh, and 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 he was there with his wife as well. And, and uh, uh, there's a uh, another wrestler too. We're, we're also present that that have personal connections to Terry's uh, family. Um, uh, to his children. Uh, I hadn't seen Terrence Jr. He didn't remember me, honestly. Uh, and he, I hadn't seen him probably since like 1993 or 94. He's now a very respected city of Winnipeg police officer. Jeff Career was there and uh, is keeping an eye on the podcast, which is good to know. And so I'm already deep in the North End because this was at Glen Eden. This is actually in West St. Paul. Uh, uh, way out, right? Pally mm-hmm. Middle Church. So uh, I guess I call it, I guess now I'm Rivercrest, Rivercrest. We didn't really use that term back then in, in my days when we drove cab. It was just like go out deep main. Uh, so coming back, I was able to hit a few stores in the north end of Winnipeg uh, that I usually don't get near. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I decided since I was nearby to go to the Giant Tiger uh, at Polson in Maine, which my I grew up at Lansdowne in Maine. So these these. Whether it was a Dominion store, a Safeway store, uh, Loblaws, uh, now the No Frills on one side uh, and the Giant Tiger uh, on the on the other. And as I was buying my, I think they had what did they have yesterday? They got there's something or other was was like some canned stuff was knocked down to a buck. I think they had asparagus. I think it was asparagus. It was like two eighty eight. Cool. So I saved like three bucks on asparagus. So I bought a few little things. And as I'm in line. Not in line. I'm like at the the actual cash checkout clerk, right? Yeah. They've got one. They might have a second station there, but I, I only noticed the one, right? 
mm-hmm. uh, an actual clerk. And then they have the uh, pay-before-you-go kiosks. Lo and behold, as she's in the middle of, like, scanning my asparagus or my, you know, can of diced tomatoes, this very nice young girl, young lady, uh, working, you know, the shift. Uh, yeah, a lot of young people relying on Giant Tiger to be there for jobs in the North End. And all of a sudden, she goes, excuse me? Not to me. She's talking over my head and past me. And some chick has just bagged up her two bags, and she's hot-footing it out the door. <laughs> See, it's supposed to be pay before you go, and in her case, it's go and don't pay. Yeah, go. I, I witnessed it with my own two eyes at today's grocery prices. That had to be, who knows what she actually grabbed, had to be $80 worth of stuff, had Easily. to be. And then as we, in the aftermath of this, uh, uh, I don't know if it was, I think it was a security guard goes like, chasing off into the parking lot and <clears throat> now personally legalities aside i can tell you if it was my store and i saw that person bolting they would have gotten horse collared uh the band nfl cfl tackle that's right i would i would have horse collared this dame right to the right to the i don't mind admitting it i would horse collar her right to the floor from behind grab her hood boom you're going down i would have legalities aside lawyers aside how dare she Make their work environment unsafe. It's not me making it unsafe. She is. That's right. We look at the kiosk because the I guess the clerk had to go over and maybe punch a punch a button to get a, a readout of like the bill that wasn't paid, right? And she, oh, look at that. She forgot her glasses. And there's a pair of glasses folded up on the left side, the, the you know, one of these little shelves there by the by the uh by the uh, scan scale and i nope they have a tag on them she was trying to steal the sunglasses too and left them behind oh she didn't get everything she wanted oh yes exactly she didn't get everything she wanted that's right now item last though it's not really last but as things move around we've talked about things that are various degrees of seriousness right uh that's right cops actually Danny Smythe recognizing that people want to give their police reports to police officers to make sure the information they get is complete, to see if there's something they can have their memory jogged, to feel safe inside a police station. Hmm. Even he, he as a robot, understands that people need other people to talk to. You'd think. (laughs) Oh, too costly to redeploy those, all those officers we moved over to cover up for my other incompetencies and inefficiencies at at the other stations. (sighs) <sighs> and we talk about fighting on buses. We talk about stolen cars and kidnapping children. So we built this up. What else are we going to talk about? Of course, murder, homicides, police making an arrest of a 17-year-old boy, charging him with manslaughter. And I, I don't understand how it's a manslaughter charge. After a 15-year-old was shot, his brother also shot, not killed, in, again, St. James, near Ness and Sackville. Uh According to the CTV report, investigators believe the 15-year-old and his older brother, who I think was 17, uh, were involved in an altercation with a group of people in the area of Ness and Sackville. Both brothers were shot. So this came out, Kenny, that we weren't aware of. They were already shot at whatever went on at that intersection, which may or may not be connected that nobody seemed to be talking about the news reports, where there had been a car accident. So whether somebody rammed somebody, whether the accidents because people were running into the street and it's like unrelated 
to the dispute. No clarity yeah. on that. They hmm. made their way down Amherst towards Bruce. That's a, an east-west side street where police alleged they encountered a 17-year-old boy they knew who was armed with a gun. The 15-year-old was shot again, and he was killed. So from these stories, there's also no indication if if whoever the shooter was in the first round of shooting is the same person who was the shooter in the second round of shooting. In other words, they get in a car and knew where these kids live, which they clearly did because there was a bullet hole in the house, right? And they they book it down there, right? Maybe mm-hmm. down a parallel street, and the kid runs through the yard. Like, there's no indication if it's the same shooter. Even worse, Kenny, it could be two different shooters. That's right. So they were first shot around Ness and Sackville. They ran a home in the 200 block of Amherst at Portage, which is about a quarter mile. So one analyst told me they think that this is a different shooter outside the house. Uh, did he know where they lived and he beat them there? I think that's absolutely the case because what by what coincidence are they waiting for them at the house? Now, again, I'm not saying anything about the deceased or his brother, but they're involved in something. Somebody's involved in something, and nobody's mentioned a four-letter word yet, gang. I'm not saying they're involved, but somebody's involved in something somewhere in this because somebody's got guns. And it could be more than one person has more than one gun. Hmm. Both of them shot. According to this story from this analysis Okay, so this analysis suggests that both brothers were shot at the house. No, no, what they're saying is both were shot more than once, but I don't know if that means that the seven, the other brother that wasn't killed was shot twice, or if he was also shot in front of the house where his brother was killed. Terrible tragedy. Is Winnipeg turning into Baltimore? One area resident, I know personally from the tech field, on Facebook commenting on on this, in the uh, basically, uh, as, you know, St. James people, Cinnaboy uh, people like yourself, right? Yeah. Is this like somebody said, well, is this like Baltimore? We're already Canada's version. We citizens can't change it. Only the one voted in can. We get to watch as the city burns. Kelly Ryback, fan of this program, and we're a fan of his because he continues to speak out at City Hall and elsewhere on behalf of the community, says, true, the powder keg formed over many years, and now they're blowing up. I'm trying. Along with Kelly Ryback, there are other people in the community that are trying. Part of trying is holding police accountable, holding city councilors accountable, holding the minister of justice accountable, holding the federal minister of justice accountable, holding the courts accountable. Increasingly, we see where uh, there's an elite that simply that that has the power over systems that are not exercising the power in favor of their own agenda, where laws are not being enforced, where sentences are being meted out that do not fit the crimes. Tristan Hopper, you think, again, you think uh, uh, safe injection sites are going to solve this? Tristan Hopper was a reporter for the National Post, columnist, I think, and moved from Edmonton to Victoria a couple of years ago. Going for an evening walk, he wrote this weekend, with the girls, his little kids, and we have to again steer clear of some intimidating sack of shit patrolling the street on a minibike. <laughs> I'm so goddamn sick of how Canadian cities have become anarchic drug dens for everyone except a sheltered elite, a sheltered elite, he tweeted, who caused all of this and have never had to feel its consequences. Kenny, how old are you? Oh, man, I like 42 now. Yeah, 42. Okay. Tristan Hopper tweeted, I am 35 years old. My entire adult life has been a pattern of paying more and more for shelter as the neighborhoods around me are more and more abandoned to armed drug dealers. Yeah, I feel hopeless sometimes. 
You want to talk about younger generations losing rights held by their parents and grandparents. How about, quote, feeling safe after dark? I was 16 before I saw my first guy shooting heroin. My five-year-old seen it more than a dozen times. (laughs) Wowzers. Two deep, refreshing breaths of spring air before I'm nervously looking to corral the kids and look for exits. That's Victoria. Yeah. He saw what the effects of safe injection sites were to the neighborhoods in Calgary and Edmonton and in Victoria. We'll talk more about that next week. And I know it sounds terrible, but a little bit of law and order never hurt anybody who wasn't breaking the law, who was walking their kids outside, who's trying to take a bus to get to work. If the damn bus even shows up anywhere near on time. Working people who use the bus, we hear you. We're here for you. We're going to continue to be here for you. People who work in businesses and neighborhoods, whether it's the West End, St. Boniface, Elmwood, we are here for you. The rest of the media does not pay attention to you. Maybe they do if you cut a certain ribbon or you have a certain thing going on or maybe, you know, a nice event. But your actual travails, your actual troubles, your actual difficulties, your actual um, um, uh, disconnect with City Hall, with the provincial legislature, they don't touch with a 10-foot pole. That's where we come in. So I hope uh, through the course of this con- uh, this conversation, this episode, between discussing the uh, planned, re- planned revisions in a St. Boniface neighborhood. Oh, the plan, the plan that's already in motion. They say they're going to make a plan, but they already have a plan to start changing some things around St. Boniface without being able to provide data and proper information and bring people forward who they claim are the instigators. Whether it's Chief Smythe. I, I wish I'd have been able to watch Russ Wyatt. I got to get Russ on the show. I would have liked to watch oh, yeah. Russ uh, laugh at him. Tell yeah. you the truth. Yeah. Let me make a little note here. Call Russ, Russ Wyatt. We got a lot to do this week coming up. Okay. So I made that note. Into the book it goes. I don't know if Russ listens or not, but he will after I phone him. <laughs> uh, final words from you, Sir Ken. Yeah, just enjoy the weather outside. You know, spring is coming. We only got a few months where it's not super hot outside and full of, you know, awful smells. So, yeah. Pretty, That's it. Uh, That's pretty all. Laid, pretty laid back and easy. You're not even complaining about the Jets being losers. Well, no, I don't watch sports. Yeah, I've just sort of taken a break from everything online lately. Uh, I got to the point. Uh, not right now because I'm still so tired. <laughs> But uh, I got to the point of my research where I started to think that flat earth people were right. And I'm like, oh, no, I got to stop. <laughs> well, look, the minute the minute Trudeau starts ta- started talking about them, it made everybody wonder if they were right just by definition. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, they're not. They're technically not wrong, but they're not right. <laughs> this is no, 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 no. Ken, stop. You've got to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Good of you to take the break. We'll be on the yeah. case again this week. Another episode. Uh, uh, normal schedule next weekend, Kenny. Yeah, I don't see a For us, reason. Because the weekend after, I mind you, the weekend after should be good too. Uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be on wrestling show Sandy Bay, going to the school on Thursday with CWE, uh, nice. reading to the kids and participating in the community. Those are always fun events. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, then the following week, Gladstone. No, sorry, first night is Morden, Morden, Manitoba, regular stop for CWE. I'll be hosting the show there. Then the Friday night. Uh, let me 
you know, because I, I just sort of know this by rhythm and not necessarily by dates. So I'll do this probably Friday night, March 30th. CWE returns to action, to action at the Holy Eucharist Parish Hall, the corner of Monroe and Watt. Uh, title matches galore up and down the card. Eric Rowan, one of the uh, original members of Bray Wyatt's family, the Wyatt family in WWF. And this guy's the biggest guy CWE's ever brought in. He's gigantic and enormous at the same time. And he won't be putting his hands on me because I'm not wrestling. I'm just going to be announcing the shows. Uh, if you're interested in tickets, get a hold of me. Also, we'll be in Gladstone is a Saturday night uh, where the uh, the well-known character from up those parts, Rebel Bobby Collins, will be challenging Chad Daniels for the junior heavyweight title. Let me just say a word about Chad Daniels. He's going to be off in May to the um, uh, Jacques Rougeau Academy in Quebec. Uh, very advanced training and uh, eligibility for a, a, essentially a scholarship to the AEW, an AEW affiliated training facility uh, in America. Chad Daniels in Saskatchewan was tearing up the ring like nobody's business. He, this kid, he's uh, 180 solid pounds, cut like crazy, fl- flies like he defies gravity, oh, wow. uh, and is gaining in popularity. And it's, uh, you know, it's not just a question. You know, I have a lot of old friends that I work with in wrestling. Uh, uh, as I said, Danny Duggan, who was with me at the Terry Mollick's funeral yesterday, for instance. Uh, and uh, it's not just me palling around with my old my old chums, so to speak, uh, but also working with young guys like Chad Daniels, like Josh Cheeks Peterson, uh, Josh Holiday, uh, and 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 getting to know those those guys and be able to help them learn how to put together matches, uh, how to provide excitement to the fans. Um, it's a great experience for me, top to bottom. I'm glad to be doing it. If you want to come join the fun, please do. Yes, I will be wrestling sometime this year, uh, but not not next month, but sometime in probably in June, I'm guessing. And I'll let you know all those details because uh, there's little that could be more entertaining than watching me get winded and get pounded out in a wrestling ring. <laughs> Losing, right? That's my right. Tongue, my tongue hanging out. What do you mean? What do you mean? Another slam. <laughs> come on. Um, I encourage you to join our Facebook group, the Great Canadian Talk Show on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Take a look at the videos on YouTube. Your support is invaluable. If you want to advertise or sponsor the the, uh, Crime Courts of Public Safety segment or anything else, live events, I'm available for speaking engagements. Uh, And the next week, uh, you know, Safe Site Injections, we'll be able to bring some provincial affairs back to the table uh, at that time. Uh, as well as more of the stories that uh, that uh, that are of interest to myself, of interest to Spirit of Kenny, and I know are of interest to you in the audience. And so on behalf of Spirit of Kenny, uh, I want to thank you for listening to this edition of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast and remind you, as as the city of Winnipeg, all those staffers that thought they're going to, you know, just, uh, I don't want to say it was disinformation. It wasn't misinformation. It was lack of information. You know, they thought they'd get away with a lack of information uh, uh, over at uh, the Norwood Community Center as they learned on Thursday night from people asking hard questions and demanding answers. And as the city of Winnipeg bureaucracy will learn as they continue to try to roll bike lanes over parking for necessary businesses and services in St. Boniface and other neighborhoods. Ultimately, you have the power. Thanks for listening to the Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty... Send it to TGCTS1 at gmail.com or follow him on Twitter at TGCTS1.